0: Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.
1: Tiana and I, in particular, have thought a lot about just, like, what... We had this phrase during... um during COVID where we were just like, yeah, what is the world going to look like after COVID? You know what I mean? And we were like, what, are, what is sort of like the new reality or the new normal? Uh, and then I think like more than we maybe wanted to fell back into some old habits um, that were like even pre or during COVID, right? Where we were just like, well, church is always going to look this way or always has looked this way. Therefore, we, we need it to look this way. But the reality is, is like church has not always looked the way that we practice it. Um, here in America. It's, it's looked a little bit different throughout the centuries, and we sort of get stuck in our own moment and think that this is sort of the eternal and the only way to do things, right? And so we have considered, what does it look like to have conversations in place uh, or dur- as our teaching, you know what I mean? Um, we know even the current reality of a lot of people is uh, myself included, we listen to podcasts, right? Uh, and podcasts, are the best way... Uh, the, so the way I've sort of like learned to learn is by listening to people talk um, and have conversations about things. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, I just wanted to um, briefly introduce who is up here. So uh, if you're new, uh, my name is Jimmy. I'm one of the pastors. We have Tiana, who is also one of our pastors. And then we have Emmy, who has preached quite a bit for us and is on our preaching team. And so uh, one thing that you all don't know is that the three of us actually meet every Wednesday um, to talk about, like, what we or whoever is going to be preaching, what are they preaching about, Um, and sort of to give some like feedback from the previous sermon and to sort of like give input on the upcoming passage and some thoughts. And so if I ever have a bad sermon, just know that we probably didn't meet that week. Um, And if it's ever good, now you know who is sort of ghostwriting for me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, But with that being said, um, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we have been in the book of Exodus Um, And in this sort of season, we have been in the uh, post-Egypt, post-liberation, but pre-law timeframe of the Israelites' uh, journey. And so that journey has been spent in the wilderness, which Tiana talked about. Um, That journey has been spent um, being tested by God. It it was also being spent um, sort of like learning from God what it means to rest. And so we talked about Sabbath a few weeks ago. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit more of a conversation um, around Sabbath and around the wilderness. Um, And as we we talked about these things and what we want to talk about this morning, we had a few desires that I wanted to share with you. Um, We want to consider what these ideas might look like more practically for you, right? We also want to spend some good time, like, applying them to our community. Like, what does it look like for a communal, uh, collective approach to Sabbath uh, and to living in the wilderness. And then we also want to provide some hope for those who maybe have experienced uh, the wilderness a little bit more sharply uh, than others in this season. And, and, you know, we have just so much, we'll talk about this a bit, but we have talked about our, our church as a refuge in the wilderness, as a little bit of a garden in the wilderness. Um, and so we just want to consider, like, what does that look like? And how can we as a community continue to grow in that, Right. So, we're going to go ahead and jump in, and we're going to start with Sabbath. Um, so, I'm about to ask a question, so I'll stop talking in a minute, but if you weren't with us, um, I explored the idea of Sabbath, uh, and we dove into the manna being given to the Israelites in the wilderness, uh, and what I talked about is, like, um, on this side of eternity, not only are we sort of like, we, we can practice Sabbath as well, right? We are. It's not a necessity, a necessity necessarily, but it's something that we are welcomed to, and that's really because of who Jesus is and what he's done, right? Because we have received his righteousness, we can rest in God and rely on God, right? And so, that's what I talked about. So, we're going to continue um, to say that. I want to read the last sentence I wrote uh, for the sermon a couple weeks so that, to sort of launch us. Um, let me find it. Okay. I said this, Sabbath is my acknowledgement that I am a limited person. I am small, But Sabbath is also an acknowledgement that my God is not limited. I can rest in my limitedness because his unlimitedness sustains me. Now, my first question is this. So the idea of rest, the idea of Sabbath is something that is really, really enticing as you talk to people. I've sort of shared with some of my friends as I've started to try and practice Sabbath in my own life. And they're like, oh, that sounds really exciting. And then you start to think of the practicals of it. I have to shut my phone off, or not have to, but um, just some of these things, and they're like, I have small kids, or I just have a lot going on in life. Like, what does this look like? We actually find out the Sabbath is, is pretty difficult. Resting is actually really hard for us in this context. And so I just want to ask you, like, what, what it felt like barriers um, to Sabbath for you, and why, if resting is so enticing, does it, if it feels like it should be easy, why is it so difficult?
0: I, so for me, I think rest in America often looks like collapse. We just go and go and go and go and go until we don't have any more reserves and we just collapse. Um, and in a culture like that, that is also a habit of mine. Um, I think a Sabbath is something we know we should do, and so there's sometimes some shame wrapped up in that. Um, Full disclosure: I have almost never had a like disciplined practice of Sabbath um, because collapse is more. Uh, it's more of my habit, uh, unfortunately. Um, I think a barrier for us, for me, is also one of the first signs that I need it. Um, I have a. Busy mind, not in terms of, like, (laughs) intelligence, but, like, distraction. Um, (laughs) I, it just, and when I am getting more and more worn out, more tired, my attention gets more and more fractured, and I keep looking for things that might make me feel better, and then they keep not, and then I keep looking. And so usually that's when I am really distracted, cannot focus, that is a sign to me that I need to kind of, pull back um unfortunately because i am so distracted it is hard to notice so that's the barrier um and i think too it's worth noting that sabbath is all about rest and there's something about that that seems like it should be easy but sabbath does start out as a discipline um which is also a bit of a barrier sometimes
1: yeah how about for ut
0: uh, for me, I
2: think it's a combination of things. Um, I think, you know, my life is chaotic. <laughs> you know, I, I have two um, two children, and one, as you all have heard me talk about, who has, um, who has autism. He's 15, but uh, we are revisiting the, the newborn years. <laughs> it's coming in our room at all hours of the night, just for me to put a blanket on him in his room. So there are barriers that just come with my life. You know, it's just the reality that, um, you know, sometimes it's... Um, it's the kids, and, and they are a priority, and yet um, it can be hard to stop and rest and find time. There's that, and then there's just me. I like to be busy. When it's not about the kids, I like to be busy. And there is, as much as my life is chaotic on its own, kind of can get addicted to chaos and sort of that busyness and going, and let me add one more thing because I need five things this week. Uh, so, I, I and I know myself. I have had, since I was in my 20s and didn't have, like, you know people people who are older than me saying can I see your schedule <laughs> you keep adding stuff and not getting rid of anything so this has been a little bit of a struggle and I think in that is sometimes this reality of I'm the get it done person I'm the organizer and so I think identity you know and that's hard to admit and even when I said it the other day I was like mm, that's very vulnerable of me to say that maybe my identity is sort of attached to this going 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 and you're needed and you're that person and it's like yeah, that's not, that's, not a, that's not a good barrier, that's not, that, that's not a legit, you know, kids, you have to figure out how, how to make it work with them, but um, the chaos and the choosing to be chaotic, <laughs> I do have control over that and where also I find my identity. If it's in being that person, then something is a little bit off there, so...
1: It was harder for the, her the other day to say that her identity was found in that. So, hey, look at that. It's I'm growing. getting easier to, to admit it. I'm growing it. Yeah. in two days. <laughs> um, I, I think I really resonate with a lot of what they both said. But I think what Emmy was getting at with the idea of, like, uh, the fractured mind. Mm. And it's, I think, my answer to, like, feeling restless Um, and particularly my restlessness, I told you this two weeks ago, my restlessness comes from my, like hating my limitedness. Mm -hmm. You know, I like feel restless and I want to do these big things and be this big, you know, person sometimes. Um, and so I think the, the answer to restlessness is often rest. Um, but I think the answer to restlessness is to go more. Um, and that's actually just creates more restlessness. Mm -hmm. And so there's this vicious cycle where it's like feeling restless do a ton in order to try to address the restlessness and feel even more restless, and then i 'm going to try to do more in order yeah until we get to the uh level of collapse that uh, our bodies just are like you can't do anymore you you have a migraine now <laughs> you know um, yeah that's great so let's let's take like what is hard and let's let's begin to sort of make this more practical uh, as we sort of started to have the conversation, all three of us were like. Well, how, how can we integrate this more? Um, so what already feels restful in your schedule? Um, are there things you already do? Are there days you already feel like you can expand off of in order to sort of make Sabbath uh, a more of a reality? And, and this question is really for us to just begin to think practically ourselves. Like, what is in my schedule that already feels restful? Um, or what times do I have that I'm maybe not using as well that I can maybe use more practically? Oh, Did yeah, yeah. I questions? forgot that um, you, you wanted me to start right. this You're one. Yeah, yeah, Ask the question. We're good. Um, I think as I have explored this idea of Sabbath, um, what it really actually made me do, um, you know, the idea of, like, numbering your days, it was like, all right, now I'm going to number my time. I'm going to, like, number how I'm using my time. And so I began to think a little bit more intentionally how I was using my time, mm-hmm. and it became abundant to me. Abundantly clear to me, Um, and I know this is a quip that people say it's sort of like deep knowledge, but uh, I think it's just way more obvious to me as I was thinking more intentionally about my time that we are just creatures of habit, right? It's like without realizing it, I ritualize so many things in my schedule that um, sometimes they're good for me, but I think that's just been happenstance, (laughs) and oftentimes they're just not super great for me, right? Um, And so I think the question that has arisen for me is how do we ritualize intentionally? Um, And one ways I've thought about that is what am I already doing in my days off that seems restful? Um, And what am I doing that is the fake sort of rest, right? The sort of thing that allows me to shut my brain off, but then as I walk away, I'm even more tired than I was before.
0: I think the differentiation between like the fake rest or the like intentional rest um, resonates with me but also the it's the key feels like intentionality um I one of the things that feels restful already in my schedule but can go either way sometimes it's just something I have to do and isn't restful and sometimes it is is uh cooking when I am creating something uh and I'm not watching a show or listening to something other than, I don't know, piano music or something, if it's intentional um, and, like, a slower form of productivity, I find that really restful. And then also being able to enjoy the meal afterwards. Because I think there there's kind of in that two pieces to the rest of, like, the preparation and then the enjoyment of it, um, which to me kind of feels like it echoes a bit of Genesis when God creates for six days and the seventh he rests and enjoys what has been created. Um, So I think, yeah, part of rest is the intentionality piece um, and also the enjoyment piece. Um, But the fake sort of rest that is so easy to fall into is just a complete lack of intentionality mm-hmm. for me. I come home and I uh, turn on a show or scro- start scrolling through my phone and I'm kind of in the back of my mind like, well, this is rest, this counts, but it doesn't, it doesn't really. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm laying down, therefore, while I look at Twitter, <laughs> right. therefore it must be rest, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Yes. X, you mean, you
2: mean X. Uh, isn't that its new name? It <laughs> not is, even, so. I'm not even on there, y'all. Uh, okay, um, yeah, for me it's well, it's funny because you said the word intentionality about three or four times and I'm like intentional is my word for the year. <laughs> I have to be reminded <laughs> what my word is. but yeah, just being intentional in the in the things that are already there. So I love to create. And in, in that regard, it's baking. I love to bake. And what's funny about that is it can become a chaotic thing, though. I just baked for a book event. Yes, I baked six things, and I didn't need to, but there is something about this, 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 uh, this addiction to chaos. But when I can just make one little treat in my tiny, tiny kitchen and then share that, that is something that, uh, with my family, like it doesn't have to be everybody, because I kind of want to feed the world, I think. Um, but when I can bring it small and just, um, that's something I already do, that is restful, that is enjoyable. I get to eat some, they get to eat some, or eat it all in Grayson's case. But um, I really, I really enjoy that and it's really fun. And, um, and I know what they each like when it comes to my baked goods. So even just to take turns making things, um, that, is, that is just a, a wonderful, intentional, uh, restful place. And another thing is, is I work you know, part-time as a pastor, part-time student, full-time mom, but um, so work, as far as the work day goes, there is at times spaces to go for a walk, you know, and I'm one of those people, I actually do like to walk by myself because if I need to talk to myself, you know, there I am. Um, Also, the reality of just being outside, and and so that's something that's already there that I really just have to be more intentional about, but um, when I take that time to get out, you know, and really choose to do that, that is a, a restful time where I really can be also in conversation with the Lord, and it is Sabbath-like. So,
0: I think they're too worth acknowledging that rest looks different for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, like there's not, yes, we should rest, but there's not actually like a really clear picture of how we should rest. I think it does actually, it just differs a lot, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, like a whole day alone in silence is super restorative for some people and it would be super draining for others and i a day spent with community or a walk alone or a walk with people like it i think there's a lot of freedom in how we can choose to rest or explore how to rest well um which is helpful i think Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i i think even to sort of piggyback off that quickly like I think what we do is we get this picture of what, like, the perfect Sabbath looks like. And, and that is, like, unattainable for some of us, right? Maybe we have small kids. Maybe we have, in Jamie's case, a husband who is not good at being quiet, right? Um, that's me. For those of you who don't know who Jamie is, that's my wife. Um, and, and so I think sort of what we want to flesh out is just that, like, uh, while maybe there are some principles around Sabbath, Sabbath does rest does look different for different people. You know what I mean? Um, Your Sabbath is not going to look like my Sabbath um, unless you're just like me, right? Um, And so I think we do want to flesh that out. Uh, We don't have a ton of time for this one, but I do want to bring up this idea quickly just so we can still talk a little bit about the wilderness. Um, But quite a few scholars uh, and pastors as I have explored what Sabbath looks like. um, The idea of Sabbath being resistance— has been a theme that has echoed. Um, and that resistance is sort of twofold. It's external and internal, right? Um, internally uh, is what Emmy was getting at. Re- Sabbath can be, or rest can be a discipline. And so there's internal resistance within me uh, that pushes against this idea of rest, right? My restlessness leads me to like want to be, use this frenetic energy to do a bunch of random things, right? But um, I, I, yeah, so reorienting that sort of, like, internal resistance. There also is a reality that Sabbath, uh, in our, particularly in our current cultural context, is also externally resistant. Um, and so, uh, to sort of explain that, in our current cultural context, like, being productive is what, is being, is what su- being successful looks like, right? And so, if I am intentionally shutting off for one-seventh of my life, one day out of seven uh, days, then that is going to resist against sort of the cultural norms of go, 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 right? If my boss can't get a hold of me on a day, uh, my boss has got... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. I have people who keep me in check, just to be clear. Um, but no, but if... if uh, so he can get a hold... No. No. Um, <laughs> But if my boss can't get a hold of me for one seventh of my day, there's, there's, some, there's gonna be some external resistance that happens in that, right? I think we also live in a 24 seven culture, right? Um, and so like 7-Eleven becoming like a 24 seven store and people realizing how much people wanted that has sort of just completely changed our cultural realities, right? Stores used to be closed on Sundays. I don't know if you guys knew that, but some of you did. Um, I won't name who, but uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, but the reality is there's, there's so little in our current cultural context that sets up well for rest, right? Dariq, I didn't call you out. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) yeah. And so there's just, there's just a reality that we, we, um, are resisting some of the, you know, for all the things that capitalistic culture can provide, it also takes, right? Uh, and, and it can often be defined by taking, taking, taking. And so, so Sabbath can be resistance to sort of the capitalistic waves of our culture and sort of the, the um, what's called, the current that is pulling so many of us, right? Um, is there anything you all want to say on that quickly? Yeah.
2: Just a quick quote. <laughs> I'm kind of on a Walter Brueggemann role, and so he wrote this book, Sabbath as Resistance. Um, it's good. Uh, I think there's some things you have to kind of pick, you know, there's some stuff that's like, ah. Eh, but there is a lot, of, a lot of good stuff in there. So the, the subtitle is saying no to the culture of now. And I just want to read one quote that he um, says in the uh, chapter called Resistance to Coercion. Sabbath is not simply the pause that re- refreshes. It is the pause that transforms. Whereas Israelites are always tempted to acquisitiveness, Sabbath is an invitation to re- receptivity, an acknowledgment that what is needed is given and need not be seized. So I just appreciated that. I mean, I, I highlighted several areas, but just that I think the pause, the pause that transforms, that in us pausing, in us stopping, that something really can happen within us. Um, rest, for one, but um, who knows also when it is our time to be done with Sabbath, what the Lord has for us on the other side of that. So transforming us in the midst of resting and stopping, but also as we come out of that time, what are we going to be what what is he going to also not that it's about like, oh now let's go to the next thing, but there is that reality that we can't always live in Sabbath, right so as we' we're, we're, we're with the Lord, as we're in silence, him doing the work he wants to do, silencing us, letting us be with him, rest, and um where would that transformation lead is kind of my question
0: too and I think the transformation is especially necessary because the resistance can be so hard mm-hmm. um, and Two, I'm. When I was thinking about resistance, a lot of times I think of it as like the resistance, resistance in this world, resistance movements in this world, or in books or something. And there's kind of a glorification of resistance that it's this work of justice that is done, and it's it's so laudable noteworthy I don't important and I forget that engaging in resistance also means that we experience resistance like while we are pushing against something something's pushing back on us Um, and I think Sabbath is a moment of stepping back and realizing we're not in charge of that resistance Jesus is Um, which is I think puts us in our place in a help in a good way in a constructive way Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah.
1: I think if you think about like weightlifting, I've never weightlifted, but I've, people have told me, um, (laughs) that, um, like the whole idea is like there is resistance against your muscles, right? And while resistance sucks and the lactic acid builds up and you feel sore, that resistance does provide transformation, right? And so in, I want to say this, like. In no ways do I want to be like this is an obligation you have to keep, and I'm going to guilt you into keeping Sabbath. Right? That is not my intention. Um, So, if if that is being communicated from me, I apologize. If it's being experienced, um, that's that's not the intention. But if there's some discomfort from the resistance, that's where we maybe want to lean in, right? And so we definitely have to. There's some wisdom in parsing out like. Is this guilt, or is this just that I'm part of a, a comfort culture? And any discomfort is hard, right? And so I think we want to sort of carry that together. Um, so we we don't have super long to talk about the wilderness because I do want to talk about our community. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, like, if you have not, if you were not here last week for Tiana's uh, sermon, it was a banger, and so um, <laughs> certified. And so you <laughs> need to. Um, that means that's a, it's it's good. Just for <laughs> anyone. Over the eight, yeah. Um, no, um, and so uh, I, would, I would suggest going back and listening to that. We post all of our sermons on um, different podcast platforms and on Facebook, and so go listen to what Tiana said. Um, this is what I want to ask. So you can sort of marry some of your story into this, but Tiana had this idea in her sermon that there were some people that were not going to be able to see the promised land, um, that they were going to go through the wilderness and still not get what was promised at the end. Um, and yet, them being in the wilderness was not like necessarily bad for them, right? They were still in the presence of God. And so I want to ask, like, in your story or um, just like in our experience in the wilderness, even though we are not necessarily going to see the end right now um, to certain injustices in our world or uh, anything like that, what, what can provide us hope? Uh, to continue to move forward in the wilderness.
2: Take a stab at it? No, no, I already had a prepared answer. (laughs) So I I might have hinted at this in my sermon, but I think for me the hope is that I'm somebody, the fulfillment of somebody else's hope. You know, when I think of, um, I mean, even MLK ML, MLK like he didn't get to see a lot of things right to die at 39 there's a lot that he missed. but in his work he made a way for people that look like me and others, not just even not even just black people, but people in general who have been marginalized. and so I think for me, even though there's a lot I might not I might not see, there probably will be a lot I don't see and we're living in a time where it's kind of like, oh there's so much <laughs> injustice, so much that needs to change it's like but if I'm the fulfillment of somebody's hope, then perhaps as we walk and as we do the work that we're called to, that we're investing in um, hope for the future in others and, and, and in the work that we're called to. So I think, yeah, just knowing that, that I can do all that God has called me to do at this time, and um, hopefully that will, that will leave an impact, and I'm going to just have to trust you know, for the outcome. But mm-hmm. there's hope in that.
0: I think that's such an important idea of like being a, s- a step along the way, like a piece of the hope of the movement forward. Um, I uh, work as a chaplain in a hospital and see a lot of people on their worst day and then never get resolution on how they are healing. Um, and that weighs heavily on me and also I find the like really small moments of connection with those patients, those families really meaningful and helpful and connecting um, and also, doesn't really take away from the weight of it, but I am also consistently surprised by how a little bit of hope tips the scales back again, where when, when whatever, the work that I am in, the world is really, really, really heavy. A meal with a friend or a funny comedian or a sunny walk outside tips the scales back to even. um, Which is always surprising. I don't need the same amount of good as I get bad. Like there's, it is always surprising to me how much a little bit of good is so restorative for my soul.
1: Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah, hope, hope is hard, right? Um, but I think our hope is not found in circumstances. We want to help, like, change circumstances for people, right? We want, you know, Jesus didn't just say, like, I, I came to, like, spiritually liberate. He did say, like, I came to set those who are enslaved free I came to be on the side of those who are oppressed and set the oppressed um, away from their oppression and those were not just like spiritual realities but there are also physical realities of that too so I want to say that like we do we do desire for circumstances to change but our hope is not in a circumstance it is in a person right um, and I think being able to sort of like as temples of God ourselves being able to be that embodied um, like meeting with God mm-hmm. for certain people, getting to introduce people to God through um, stepping into really hard experiences, mm-hmm. I think is a really, really exciting thing. Mm-hmm. When, when we just consider like how meaning, like I feel so small and yet can be used in such big ways or to introduce people to such a big person, yeah. you know, is a real exciting thing. Um, so the last question I want to ask, uh, I'm going to integrate our last two questions again, just so you know. Um, yeah, so we want to think about this. Like, what does this look like for our community specifically, right? So as we consider Sabbath and living in the wilderness together, my question is, like, what, is that, what does that look like for our community specifically? You know, I think we get so bogged down in, like, we get the big picture, and then nothing ever practically happens. I mean, I think we're, like, while we have... a there's so many of you in here and that's so exciting, but we're a small enough community that we can sort of approach this practically too, you know what I mean? Um, and then just to sort of also add a little bit more to the question, one thing that I think people think through as they think through Sabbath is that, and I think that this is true, there is just a reality where certain people are not afforded the privilege of like having an entire day off for, of, of resting, right? I think about like single parents people who have to work two jobs because of not being paid livable wages, things like that. Uh, I think there's a justice element to that. So I also want to ask, like, what does it look like for our community practically to step into that?
2: Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, um, this is probably the one I have, have some thoughts on. Um, <laughs> I didn't write anything you know, I down. Thought about <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it a little bit. Um, but I think I was more, more sort of weighed down by, <laughs> by the, re, the realities, some of the realities that exist, some of the painful realities that exist that, um, you know, not to use myself as, as an example, but I'm going to. <laughs> um, we have a son that's violent. Not everybody can watch Grayson, you know. So to, sorry, I didn't get much sleep last night actually because of his actions. But to invite somebody into that, they got to know that they can really be present there. So some of it is, I think I'm stuck with the, uh, Wow, you know, for me, me and my husband to have a real date—wow, what's that? <laughs> First of all, but um, so I think it's—it's. It's, I'm stuck with the fact that this is a difficult thing, you know, when you don't have um, certain things, or, or when you have difficulties in your life. Uh, depending on your, you know, who your kid is or your resources. So I think that as a, since we are aware of some of this, like you all know my story, <laughs> um, I think the things that we can do is just make space. Sometimes it's just me coming in and just talking to one of you all and just saying, hey, uh, here's what's going on. And I don't know that you could give me a Sabbath solution or a sitter solution. Um, but I think even just making space for each other and being able to be in this space and say, hey, it's been rough this week. It's, it was rough last night, and can you just pray with me? Can you remember me in prayer? Um, I think that that's probably, for me, what, that what has sustained me? God, of course, first, but just the relationships where I have been able to, I don't know, find rest even in that moment. Even in that moment to find Sabbath with one of you all
0: has um, made a lot of difference. I think there is so much potential for rest, rest itself in feeling seen or heard or known, um, being able, I f- for me it is true that a burden shared is a burden halved. Mm-hmm. It's just carrying the weight with someone else uh, makes everything a little less heavy, and that's not necessarily like perfectly wrapped up into Sabbath necessarily, but it is, I think, a step on the way to Sabbath. Because when you understand what someone is going through better, then there are more ways that we can step in and, and help and take a little bit of that burden. Um, I, this is the question, too, that I have fewer ideas about, also weighed down by the realities, and still just kind of dreaming about what, what could it be? How could our community make space for Sabbath for other people? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's okay. Like, in asking questions, it's not necessarily to solve the world yet right now. Um, even just, like, in, in inviting you all into the process of thinking about what that might even look like for a community, right? Um, I do think about, uh, I mean, hinted at this, but, like, Galatians 6, where it just talks about bearing one another's burdens. Like, um, how, how do we sort of, like, lighten the load for others, right? Um, it's interesting, because it's like, you'll be taking on some of my load, I'll be taking on some of yours, and so theoretically, the weight is the same, and yet, somehow, the burden is lighter. Um, I think it's just a reality of community, right? Um, I, I just think, like, practically speaking, um, and this is not a shot at anyone, but, like, when we think through our budget as a church, our budget is not like a, oh, we want to, like, build this, expand this building, or build, you know, physical space is a reality that we have to consider, financially. But our budget really is just like, how do we continue to be a refuge in Uptown specifically? Mm-hmm. How do we prop up and empower those who are, have been disempowered in our, in our community? How do we consider those who society considers on the margins more? Like, that's how we want to spend our money, right? And so, it's like, I don't know, maybe we organize like watching someone's kid um, once a week. Mm-hmm. You have four families that step in. It's like, Every fourth week, I'm going to watch this kid so that this person can rest once a week. You know what I mean? Jamie's brought up that idea, and I think it's just such a beautiful idea of, like, what community can look like and the ways in which we can use our resources to bear one another's burdens, right? Um, I want to read this verse from Leviticus 23, 22. I heard a sermon on it when I was, like, in 22 on uh, finances, and it was really great. Uh, but I also think it applies to this idea of how we use our time, our spit, like, how we use. So it's… Leviticus 23, says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. Among you. I'm the Lord, your God. And so there's this practice of harvesting where you go through once and you sort of harvest everything. Um, and then often people would go through again and try to pick up all the scraps because it was like probably 20% of whatever was um, within the the harvest was left over Uh, and but there was a a practice that was put in this is law right for them at the time it was put into law that you don't go back a second time that you utilize that margin for those who are the least among you right and so i just want us to consider like what does it look like for us as a church to do that like what does it look like for us to not go back second but create margin for those who are marginalized right so this is what i'm going to do i'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into communion and have one more worship song together. So let me pray.
0: Thank you for listening to the Missio Day Uptown Podcast. We are a church committed to our neighborhood, seeking to love and serve our beautifully unique community as we join God as he makes all things new. To learn more about us, visit mduptown.com.